Hey, my name is Jason, and you're listening to the Embrace Church Podcast. God is doing some incredible things at each one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota. To learn more about Embrace and maybe plan your visit, head on over to imembrace.com. We hope today's message brings you hope, inspires you, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive in to today's message. Well, welcome to Embrace today, whether you're worshiping with us online, at a campus, at a network church, uh, just grateful that you are with us today. I'm honestly grateful that you've decided to take a little time out of your schedule and engage with God and worship Him uh, today, and so I'm honored to be with you. My name is Austin. If I haven't met you before, I spend most of my time at the St. Croix campus up in Minnesota, and so what's up, St. Croix? Hope you're doing well today, Um, but I'm just honored to be with you, being able to bring the message uh, for you today. So I want you to imagine with me for a second that it's 1915, okay? Imagine with me it's 1915. For me, in the picture, in my own mind, for whatever reason, uh, I'm wearing cowboy boots, okay? And I also have a glorious beard, like, down to here, okay? And and my daughter is wearing a bonnet. And so I, I guess in the year 1915, I'm a cowboy who homeschools his kids, That's what that picture shows me. She's got a beautiful bonnet on. I'm wearing cowboy boots. You know, I got my amazing beard. Again, it's 1915. So get yourselves however you want to have your world in 1915. That's where we're at today. And I want to tell you what the world looks like. What does the world look like in 1915? Gentlemen, your life expectancy is only 47 years old. The population of Las Vegas, Nevada is 30 currently. The average hourly rate... 22 cents an hour, okay? We only have 45 stars on the American flag. The speed limit is 10 miles an hour. You can buy sugar for 4 cents a pound, coffee for 15 cents a pound. Eggs are 14 cents a dozen. Women, ladies, you're only washing your hair one time per month, and you're washing it with egg yolks. Yep, imagine that for a minute. Imagine what hair that hasn't been washed for 30 days, and when it was last washed, it was with egg yolks. Imagine what that smells like, okay? And if that's not crazy enough, you can buy heroin over the counter at a drugstore. It is said to give clarity to your complexion and buoyancy to your mind. I would imagine if you're only washing your hair one time per month with egg yolks, you're going to need to stop at the drugstore to get a little buoyancy of your mind a little more regularly. Am I right? Needless to say, things have changed. Things change in our world. Our world is constantly changing. Over the last 105 years, from 1915 to today, things have changed. I mean, we added five states to our country, which means we added five stars to our flag. There are 50 stars in the American flag. In 1905, or 1915, doctors had no college education. Now doctors have doctorates. And now coffee, you don't have to buy it anymore, you get it brewed for you at Starbucks, and ironically enough, it tastes nothing like coffee. Women, you're no longer washing your hair one time a month, I would assume. And when you are, you're probably not washing it with egg yolks. And you can no longer buy heroin at the drugstore, you've got to go behind the drugstore to get your heroin now. These are pretty simple and funny explanations of economic changes that we've experienced in the last 105 years. But there's also changes that are happening in people's everyday lives, both good and bad, things that people do and experience in everyday normal life. I mean, people are still having kids. People are getting new jobs. People are buying houses. They're buying cars. They're moving from state to state. They're getting married. 
all good things. But at the same time, we're experiencing increases in drug overdoses and cancer rates in fatherless homes and drug and alcohol abuse and job loss. Change is happening all around us. And I don't know about you, but I just seem to be finding it difficult to see the good in this world. If you watch the news for about five minutes, you realize that the world is just falling apart. Everything's changing. Everything's exploding. Everybody's dying. Everything is terrible. It's tough to see the good in the world. And as much as everything is changing, the crazy thing is, is that the challenges that we're facing today are the same challenges that we've been facing for generations. In a message that Billy Graham gave in the late 60s on one of his crusades, he said, the greatest issues facing our society today are racial inequality, fatherless homes, drug and alcohol abuse, and pornography. A lot's changed. We've gotten so much more sophisticated, haven't we? We've advanced so much further. Even though our world changes minute by minute and moment by moment, our culture seems to still be facing the same challenges as it was before. Whether 1950, 1960, or today, the challenges seem to be the same, and my question for us today is why? We've been in a message series over these past few weeks called Great Expectations. We've been looking through the book of Psalms trying to figure out what are the great expectations that we can have of God in moments of uncertainty. And so today I want to take a look at Psalm 102. It's written by a guy named David. And David has experienced some turmoil in his life. He has experienced brokenness and hurt. He's experienced the highs and lows of this life. But at the beginning of Psalm 102, the first 11 verses, he begins by talking about the changing and broken world that he is living in and he is experiencing. And he starts by saying phrases like this. My days, they vanish like smoke. My bones, they burn like glowing embers. My heart is sick, withered like grass. I have lost my appetite. I lie awake lonely as a solitary bird. My enemies taunt me day after day. They mock and curse me. My life passes as swiftly as the evening shadows. I'm withering away like grass. Can you feel his pain? Can you feel his life experience? Can you feel him pouring out his heart in these words? You can feel where he's at. I mean, his world is shaking. His heart is breaking. His body's withering. His enemies are cursing. You can literally see his life is fading away before him. Can anybody relate? I can. Anybody feel like you're withering away today? Anybody's heart feels sick? Are you tired? You feel like the whole world is changing all around you? This is how David's feeling in this opening portion of this psalm. But then there's this moment in verse 12, the very next verse, we see David pivot. He pivots away from what he's been talking about. He shifts his focus. I picture him in this moment taking a deep breath as he's just finished up complaining and explaining where he's been in his life. And he refocuses. He refocuses on something different. He stops focusing on his circumstances and he starts looking at the eternal and unchanging mission of God. In verse 12, he starts saying this, But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. 
Your fame endures through all generations. You, God, will arise and have compassion for Jerusalem. You will respond to the prayers of the destitute. You will not despise their plea. Let this be written for a future generation. That's us. That a people that have not been yet, be, yet been created may praise the Lord. And the Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From the heavens he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoner and to release those condemned to death. In this moment, I picture David taking another deep breath. But unlike the previous deep breath, he's not taking a breath of angst. He's taking a deep breath of hope that God's mission is unchanging, that God remains forever, that God's fame endures through all generations. And the great news today is that you and I can take that same deep breath of hope that God's mission for our lives is unchanging. When I say God's mission, his mission, what I mean, is what he's up to on the earth, what God is doing on the earth. Even though the world changes, God's mission doesn't. Even though we are constantly having a change of heart, God's never does. Even though we are constantly, constantly, constantly changing our minds, God's mission remains unchanged. Our lives are changing, but God's remains unchanged. And I think when you hear that, when we hear that the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, his mission is remaining unchanged, it's easy for us to say, are we worshiping a callous God that is distant and far away from us? What I'm saying it's not that he's unaware and that he doesn't care. In fact, what I'm saying is the opposite. God's mission for you and for me is unchanging. He hears the prayers of the destitute. He hears the groans of the prisoners. And he releases those condemned to die. You see, church, God cared about your hurts and your pain and your brokenness before you had it. He's been working things out for your good since before you were created. God's mission is unchanging because he is still all about redeeming and restoring broken things. And that includes you and that includes me today. He is changing us. He's standing in our pain. We don't just worship a God of the mountaintops. We worship a God who walks through the valleys. And when we feel like everybody else has walked away and turned away, when everything else has changed, God does not. He's still with us. He's still with you. He's still with me in our addiction, in our failing businesses, in our broken relationships, in our eating disorders, in our anxiety. He is redeeming these things because that is who he is and that is what he does. His unchanging mission is encompassed by his heart, which is to redeem and restore you and I and ultimately to redeem and restore the entire world. But there's a problem. There's a problem in the equation of redeeming and restoring the entire world. And the problem is, is that you and I get impatient and complacent in the redeeming process. We get frustrated when God doesn't do our restoration as fast as we want it to or how we want it to happen. But why is that? I think God clears it up in Isaiah 55. He says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. As far as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
and my way is higher than your ways. What he's saying is, is he can see things that you can't. He can see things that I can't. He can see a way through when we can't. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he is working things out for your good and for my good. If you've been around me for any length of time, you know that I have got three beautiful kids. I've got an 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 5-year-old. And uh, they are wonderful kids. I love them a a ton. Uh, But what you might not know about me is that I heat my house with wood. I know, we're kind of going back to 1915. I can feel the beard growing. I've got cowboy boots on again. You can just call me Paul Ingalls, I guess. I don't know. But my wife and I, we decided a long time ago that we decided that we were going to heat our house with wood for two reasons. The first is to save on heating costs. And the second is we decided we want to raise our kids with a strong work ethic. And so a few weeks ago, uh, many times I, I say this to my kids, but it was a Monday a couple weeks ago, I said to my kids, I said, all right, guys, this coming Saturday, we are going to chop some wood, okay? And they're like, all right, sounds good. So Saturday came, and it was a beautiful morning, and so they got out of bed early, they put their swimming suits on, and they went and they got in our pool. And so they were swimming all morning, and they were hanging out, and everything was going great. It was a beautiful day. I was doing a couple of other things. Uh, they got lunch, and then they got back in the pool. About 1 o'clock, I come out to the side of the pool, and I say, all right, guys, it's time to get out of the pool. We're going to go and chop some wood. And if you have kids, this next section of the day is going to be familiar to you. This next section of the day is what I'm going to call negotiations, okay? This is where negotiations began. And so I tell my kids, it's time to get out of the pool and we're going to go and chop wood. And they begin to negotiate. Their first negotiation tactic is what I like to call the salmon negotiation, okay? They're in the pool, I am not. So what's the best way to ignore dad? Be under the water, okay? So they go under the water for as long as they possibly can. And then they shoot out just long enough to grab a breath, but not long enough to hear me say anything. And then back under the water to hold their breath again. And this goes on for a little while until they realize this is no life to live. This is no way to experience the life in the pool because eventually I'm going to have to face my dad. And so then they stand up in the pool and they kind of are standing in the very middle thinking that they're safe there because I won't come in because I have shoes on and my phone's in my pocket and whatever. But this next section of negotiations is called, but dad. They begin to start every statement they can possibly think of with, but dad. But dad, why do we have to do it today? But dad, can we just do it tomorrow? But dad, it's such a nice day. But dad, it's too hot to work. But dad, all we do is work. Mind you, they have just got done swimming for seven hours. But all we do is work. But dad, all we do is work. But dad, it's so nice out. But dad, why can't we do it tomorrow? But dad, can't we just do it next week? But dad, we've got all this of summer. But dad, we just don't want to get out of the pool. But dad, but dad, but dad, but dad, but dad. And each time I respond back, It's time to get out of the pool, and we're going to go chop some wood. It's time to get out of the pool. We are going to go and chop some wood. You see, my wife Callie and I, we decided when our first son was born, Emerson, who's 11 now, that we want our kids to grow up to be adults of high character, who are respectful, hardworking adults who love Jesus. That's our mission for them. And at this moment in time, my mission of raising kids who are respectful, hardworking adults who love Jesus is coming into conflict with their comfort. 
It's coming into conflict with their plans. And I've seen it many times before. Whenever my mission comes in contact with their comfort, there's a conflict. You see, they get upset with me when I make them honor their word. They don't like it when I make them do the things they need to do rather than the things they want to do. They don't like it when I make them push through hard circumstances. And at this point in their life, they don't understand what I'm trying to do. They don't understand my mission, but, my, but their lack of understanding doesn't change my mission. My mission for them is greater than they can see in this moment. My mission is unchanging for them. My heart for them is unchanging. And their lack of understanding of the long-term mission doesn't change it. And it's the same with God and you and I. Even though you and I get frustrated and we don't understand why God hasn't immediately healed our brokenness and why he hasn't immediately delivered us from our addiction, his mission remains unchanging. Because he cares more about his long-term mission of restoration and redemption for you and me than he cares about our comfort. The good news today is that you and I, we don't have a problem with God's mission. His unchanging mission of redemption and restoration for us, we don't have a problem with that. We just have a problem with his method. See, my kids, they want to be successful adults. They want to be smart. They want to be hardworking. They want to love Jesus. They want all of those things. They want to be successful adults. But they do not want to get out of the pool and chop wood. They don't want to do it. They don't like it because they don't want to be a part of it. They want to become all those things, but they don't want to have to get out of the pool and chop wood to get it. They don't like that to fill the greater mission of being successful, hardworking, people of character who love Jesus. It's going to require them to do something. They're going to have to give up their comfort. They're going to have to crawl out of the pool. They're going to have to go chop some wood. They don't want to do the work. And neither do you. And neither do you, I think, if we're being honest with ourselves. You see, we want God to redeem us. We want God to restore the broken parts of our lives. But we don't want to get out of the pool. We don't want to dry off. We don't want to put clothes on. We don't want to put our work boots on. We don't want to grab the axe. And we don't want to go out into the woods and chop the necessary wood to experience the restoration. We don't want to leave the comforts of our lives, our comfortable routines, and be an active part of it. We want to be freed of our addictions. But we don't want to go to an AA meeting. We don't want to go to treatment. We want our relationships to be restored, but we don't want to go see a counselor. We don't want to have the hard conversation. I want to be freed of this eating disorder, but I don't want to go into treatment. I don't want to do what they tell me to do. Yes, God... I want to be whole. Yes, God, I want to be redeemed. Yes, God, I want to be restored. Yes, God, I want to be a part of your unchanging mission to redeem and restore me and to ultimately redeem and restore this world. But God, I don't want to get out of the pool. But God, I'm just so comfortable here. But God, how about tomorrow? But God, how about next week? But God, can't we just do it this fall? But God, can't somebody else do it? But God, can't you just miraculously heal it? But God, but God, but God, but God. You and I want to stay in the comfort of the pool. And the good news today is that God does not leave the side of the pools of our lives 
He stands there and continues to say to us, I have got a bigger plan for you. I've got a bigger plan for you. But it's time to get out of the pool and go chop some wood. God's saying it's time to be done with this addiction. It's time to fix this broken relationship. It's time to find freedom from this eating disorder, from this anxiety, from this brokenness. Church, it's time to get out of the pool. Because God's method of fulfilling his mission requires you and I to do so. And I'm so grateful that his mission is unchanging. I'm so grateful for it. Because he is still in the redeeming business. He is still in the restoration business. And no matter how much you and I complain or get frustrated with him, he remains unchanged. You see, church, we love his mission. We love the mission, but we struggle with the method. We love the mission, but we struggle with the method. Why? Because it requires effort. It requires growth. It requires work. Now, I'm here to tell you, you can stay in the pool. You can stay in the pool if you want to. You can continue to just float in the pool of our addiction and our brokenness. But I'm here to tell you that in 60 years, some pastor, some place, somewhere else is going to say, there was a guy named Billy Graham who gave a message in the late 60s, and he said, fatherless homes, drug and alcohol abuse, pornography, and racial inequality is still the problem 120 years after he said it because nobody was willing to get out of the pool. We will still be in the cycle of hurt and pain and brokenness. Or imagine with me for a second what the world could and would look like if we all committed today to get out of the pool and go cut the necessary wood, to chop the necessary wood to experience the character growth that God has for us. Imagine what the world would look like if we would get out of the pool of our addiction and brokenness and join God in his unchanging mission to redeem us and his unchanging method to use us. Imagine. Imagine the marriages that would be redeemed. Imagine the the addictions that would be removed. Imagine the anxiety that would be removed. I'm here to tell you that some really amazing things could happen. If we would just commit, if we would just decide today to get out of the pools of our lives and go do the necessary work to join God in his redemption story for you and I. A few years ago, some some friends of ours, they they went through a tough patch in their marriage. And uh, we had some conversation with them about what was going on, and uh, they decided to engage in some, some intensive therapy and some counseling. It's been about four years now. They decided to go and get intensive therapy to, to try and work on their marriage and trying to restore what was broken. And the interesting thing is, is they were answering the call that God was saying, get out of the pool and go do the hard work to restore your marriage. But there was a ripple effect to that. Because as they got out of the pool of their broken marriage, others watched and did the same. I know of six people, my wife and myself are included in that, who have engaged in counseling 
to go and talk some things out, to have some hard conversations, to join in the work that God is doing to restore us and to redeem us. Six people jumped on board to join in God's plan and process for them because one couple decided to engage with it. There's ripple effects to when we get out of the pool. When we decide to get out of the pool of our lives, others will do the same. When we go and see the counselor, when we check into treatment, when we have the hard conversation, when we have the courage to join God in our redemption story, it inspires others around us to get out of the pools of their lives and go and chop some wood. Imagine what the world would look like if we all got out of the pools of our lives and joined God in his redemption story for us to grow our character. We need to join God in his unchanging method of using us to fulfill his unchanging method of redeeming us. Church, you and I can be a part of ending the cycle of fatherless homes. We can end the cycle of addiction. We can end the cycle of anxiety. But church, we've got to get out of the pool and we're going to have to chop some wood. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so grateful that you love us, that you see us. God, that you're unchanging in your mission to redeem us. God, we are grateful for Jesus today for the hope that we can have in him and the way that he cares for us, the way that he shows us redemption. God, give us courage to step up and to step out. God, that we would experience the freedom that comes only from you. God, that we'd participate in our redemption story. God, I'm so grateful that you call us your sons and daughters, that you don't leave us or forsake us when we get frustrated, when we can't see what you're doing. God, remind us that your ways are higher than our ways, that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that you see a way through when we can't. God, we love you and we praise you today. We're here to worship you. We're here to join you on your mission to redeem this world. So God, we love you. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray all these things. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message moved you in any way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss your dose of encouragement. You can also follow us on social media with the handle at I Am Embrace. Again, we are thrilled you took the time to join us today. And if you live anywhere near one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota, we would love to have you join us in person. You can find out more and start a conversation at IamEmbrace.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.